Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash film daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Thursday, August 29th, 2019. On today's episode, we're going to talk about all things D23 Expo 2019. There was a lot of news and footage that hit at the convention, and we're going to talk about that. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Serrata. Joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Managing Editor Jacob Hall. Hello, hello. And Weekend Editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. So, uh, guys, I've been out sick. Um, I caught the con flu, but I really wanted to talk about all these uh, things that broke at D23. I know we're a little bit late to the party here, but we've had a ton of coverage on the site. By the way, the people, you know, the Slash Film writers at home were kicking butt. We had, how many articles did we have from D23 coverage, Jacob? Uh, 45, actually closer to 50 once you include all some other additional post-con things we wrote. Yeah, I feel like I was just sitting in panels and running around the show floor just trying to type the information that was going into my eyes and into my ears to you guys on Slack. And we were able to get stuff up way before everybody else. So uh, so thank you guys for for getting that done. Before I get into things, I should say that while I was at the convention, I ran into a lot of Slash Film readers, a lot of listeners to Slash Film Daily, uh, people that told me they listen to it every day. 
so it was great to run into all these all these fans of the site. Uh, it was really, um, I don't know, heartwarming to to meet all these people because they all seemed like really cool people. So, anyways, um, let's talk about Marvel. Let's start with Marvel first. Um, Marvel was at the Disney Plus panel and kind of uh, they came with some surprises i don't think we were expecting as many surprises from them they announced three new tv shows for disney plus uh the first of which is set in the hulk universe it is a tv show based on the she hulk comic book which i know nothing about so jacob tell tell me about it man we have a lot to cover so i'm gonna be fast here but she hulk is jennifer walters in the comics she is bruce banner's cousin and Bruce Banner gives her a life-saving uh, blood transfusion after an accident, which gives her gamma powers. But unlike the Hulk, who can't control his, you know, transformation to a green rage monster, she can. So when she's a Hulk, she is this sort of confident, powerful person who has her own personality. And in her best runs, uh, she continues to be a lawyer. She is a practicing lawyer. And in the early 2000s, she became a specialist in superhero law, which meant that she would, like help Spider-Man sue J. Jonah Jameson for libel and um, help superhero characters with specific superhero problems. And that's kind of been her thing is, as a member of the Avengers, she punches stuff really hard as a Hulk, and then she goes to work as a lawyer helping superheroes in court cases. And it's often very funny. She's a very funny, charming character. And this has a really, really good potential to be like a Marvel uh, criminal law courtroom series. And that is not the only female superhero show that they announced at the convention. I, I know when Captain Marvel was happening, a lot of people were asking, what about Miss Marvel? What about Miss Marvel, uh, which is a popular comic book right now? Uh, what about Miss Marvel, Jacob? Uh, oh, Miss Marvel series is also coming to Disney+. Plus. Uh, Miss Marvel is very much uh, Peter Parker for our current age. She is a uh, young girl living in New Jersey. Uh, she idolizes the Avengers. She's a big Captain Marvel fan. Her parents are uh, practicing Muslims, and so is she. So she sort of has this already. She already has a sort of you know um, issue where she sometimes feels left out of society. So she has outsider status already. And one day she um, becomes, learns that she's an inhuman, and she has her inhuman powers to uh, change her shape and like increase her size and mass. And uh, she decides to, as a tribute to her hero Captain Marvel, become Miss Marvel and become a teenage superhero in New Jersey. And the comic is so charming and so fun and really leans heavily on what the best Spider-Man comics always were, which was Peter Parker trying to balance his ordinary life with being a superhero. Except that with Kamala Khan, she is a teenage Muslim in Jersey as opposed to, you know, a, a, a uh, white photojournalist in New York City. So there's a whole lot of stuff they can play with here. And the current comics are just so good. So we, we lost Peter Parker in the MCU, but we're getting this Marvel. Yeah, Kamala Khan is as good as Peter Parker has ever been. I'll, I'll say it. So I'm, I'm very happy about this, even though I'll be sad about Spider-Man being gone for now. And it should be noted that Kevin Feige, with all of these shows, was kind of hyping up the uh, the idea that these shows are going to introduce these characters. But th- that doesn't mean that they're not going to be in the movies. They're going to be in the movies as well. So, uh, you know, you're going to have to watch these shows to to be introduced to these characters before we see them on the big screen. And uh, the, the last show that was announced is a Moon Knight series. Moon Knight is so out of my realm of, of Marvel comic book reading. <laughs> Jacob, what what do we know about Moon Knight? Uh, Moon Knight is a deeply weird character and one I have a really hard time summarizing. 
he was first introduced as essentially Marvel's version of Batman. He's a mercenary who was left for dead in the Egyptian desert, becomes possessed by Egyptian gods, or maybe he's crazy. It could be both. Who knows? And he stalks around, you know, New York being this dark Avenger in a white cloak using mystical powers to give him strength and insight. And the best versions of Moon Knight, in my opinion, have been in recent years where they sort of shed the whole Batman Batman ripoff thing and have leaned more heavily onto him trying to balance his many different personalities, which give him different abilities and trying to, you know, deal with the fact that he is a mentally unstable person who has incredible superhero powers. And I do not know which version of Moon Knight we can get here, whether it's the original version who is a bit more of just Batman or the more complex nuanced version I've grown to like in recent years. But I, this is such an off kilter character that they can kind of do whatever they want with him. Okay, the uh, that does it for the Disney Plus shows, but there was also some mo- Marvel movie announcements. They announced that Black Panther two is coming out on May sixth, twenty twenty two. So th- the question is: Is this part of Phase four or is this part of Phase five? Brad, what do we know? As far as we can tell, it's, it hasn't been made clear. Uh, it seemed like all the announcements that were made at San Diego Comic Con were all Phase four, and that was supposed to be. It, even though it didn't culminate with an Avengers movie the way that the previous three phases of the Marvel Cinematic Universe um, have. But so it, it could go either way. This could either be the end of phase four, could be the beginning of phase five. I'm sure Marvel just wanted to get this announcement out there because Black Panther was such a huge hit when it came out uh, last year that they wanted to make sure that fans knew that a sequel was coming, even though it's still uh, a few years out, just so that they can get excited for it and know know what's going to be on, on the way in the future. Yeah. Um, it, it, it It's interesting because uh, Ryan Coogler was on stage and Kevin Feige basically asked him, like, you know, who's going to be the villain of Black Panther 2? You know, what is it? What's the title? And basically they were like, we can't say yet. So do we have any idea, any speculation on what Black Panther 2 could be? Man, Peter's, I have no idea. Like, but I, I've read so few Black Panther comics. This is my blind spot. So uh, I can tell you all about She-Hulk. I can't tell you about Black <laughs> Panther villains. There, were, there was some speculation that... A certain line in Avengers Endgame uh, that Okoye says about like earthquakes happening near Wakanda might be oh, something yeah. related to Namor. Um, but I, I, if I remember correctly, I, I believe there was an interview with the Russos or either the um, Marcus and McFeely, the writer writing team, that that wasn't something they intentionally put in to hint at Namor. And that's not to say that that couldn't be used as a way to introduce him later. It could be uh, you know a detail. They're like, oh yeah, for sure, this is what that's referencing. Um, but yeah, so I, I feel like there's no, no indication as to where that's going and maybe something coming along in the future MCU projects will maybe lead into that. Yeah. Another, uh, Marvel TV thing that we forgot to talk about is the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is a mouthful of a Disney plus title there. Uh, got some casting news. Wyatt Russell, who uh, we know from uh, a bunch of things, including that Black Mirror episode that Dan Trachtenberg directed, and uh, that uh, what's that movie with Aubrey Plaza that I loved, uh, Brad? Oh, um, Ingrid Goes West. It, yes, um, and also Twenty Two Jump Street. Yes, and Overlord. He's very good in Overlord. Yeah. Uh, so we we do know who he is playing, and uh, what does that tell us about this upcoming series, Jacob? Uh, he's playing John Walker, otherwise known as U.S. Agent. And this is a character who, essentially, when Captain America's not around, the government says, we need Captain America. So they create 
uh, U.S. agent uh, using, you know, enhanced super soldier serum with John Walker. But since not every man is uh, Steve Rogers, not everyone understands with great power comes great responsibility, U.S. agent has been a frequent antagonist over the years, sort of the dark version of Captain America, the corrupted Captain America. So I think we're going to be seeing Falcon and Winter Soldier face off against the new Captain America, a.k.a. U.S. agent, teaming up with Baron Zemo, uh, returning from Captain America Civil War, which, I don't know about you guys, that sounds like a really, really intriguing way for both Winter Soldier and Falcon to sort of face their past, because they're facing the dark version of their best friend who left the mantle of Captain America. I was just going to comment on how lame of a name U.S. agent is, but then I realized that Captain America is equally as lame. We're just used to it. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. Um, Okay. Uh, Other news. Let's move on to uh, Star Wars because there's a bunch of Star Wars announcements. There was rumors for some time that there uh, that Lucasfilm was working on an Obi Wan Kenobi movie or TV series. Last week it was kind of it was reported that it was happening, and at the convention it was confirmed as Ewan McGregor came out on stage and confirmed that he is going to be reprising his role as Obi Wan Kenobi. Uh, Brad, what do we know about this one? Um, not much more than that, to be honest. Uh, Ewan McGregor was confirmed to sign on for the series just before the announcement was made at the D23 Expo. Uh, and it seems like this series will uh, take place um, somewhere uh, around the similar time period that Solo, A Star Wars Story does. Um, we just learned from the Star Wars show on YouTube that the series itself will take place eight years after the events of Revenge of the Sith. And the the graphic that was shown during the D23 Lucasfilm presentation that kind of laid out where all of the Star Wars properties, both um, done and upcoming, land as far as their relation to each other, put Obi-Wan somewhere in the middle of the events of Solo A Star Wars Story. So I feel like there will probably be some crossover there as far as how Obi-Wan Kenobi's story plays out, um, maybe parallel with what's happening with Han Solo in, in his origin story. Um, but beyond that, there's there's no release date yet. Production is supposed to begin sometime next year. So I would bet that we would get the series maybe sometime late in 2020 or early 2021. Um, but other, otherwise, beyond that, we're just we just got that basic information. With, with that timeline, I I know I said this when we were talking about this uh, a week and a half ago, but I feel like you know with Obi Wan Kenobi's rivalry with Darth Maul, it seems like that might be a component of this like because you know they do come to an head ahead in star wars rebels which could be shown you know live action that that whole confrontation um you know that's later in the timeline uh do you think this is going to have to do with like crimson dawn and that whole that could this be a backdoor solo sequel that i know fans have been clamoring for but like you know solo obviously didn't make enough money to to warrant that I think that's probably a fairly safe bet. I'm not necessarily sure I would go so far as to say that it's it will it will be feel like a solo sequel, but I think that it will have some ties to the, the uh, Crimson Dawn crime syndicate that we learned was uh, being controlled by Darth Maul. I, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe he like the oh, the series starts with him getting some uh, you know inkling that maybe Darth Maul is somehow alive and he's trying to track the, this rumor where this information comes from and he encounters several seedy characters who are part of uh, Crimson Dawn. Maybe there's even a chance that Amelia Clark and Paul Bettany could reprise their roles as Kira and Dryden Voss, since we don't really know a lot um, yeah. about what, what what happened to them while Solo was off fighting for the Empire and doing his own thing until he ran into Kira again. 
so there's there's a lot of time here that's unaccounted for, and there there could easily be some uh, some ties to to that plot element there. And I think Solo was also teasing the possibility of like Jabba the Hutt and that stuff, and that's on Tatooine as well, where Obi Wan, where we think Obi Wan is during this time. So who knows? What to say? Uh, they did premiere a new trailer, or I guess the first public trailer for Mandalorian. They showed one to you, Brad, at a Star Wars celebration. It leaked online, but this was the first one I think that it was broadcast. Am I correct on that? This is the first one that was officially online. Yeah, the, none, none of the footage that played Star Wars Celebration was made officially online. Yeah, uh, I am so in for this show, guys. Like, this is so what everything I want a, a Star Wars series to be. Uh, I feel like this time, more than when they were at Star Wars Celebration, they were selling it on the idea that uh, the pitch for this show was that Favreau wanted to see what the Star Wars galaxy was like after the fall of uh, the empire. So it's kind of like, it's not like just the empire falls and this galaxy is just like this peaceful place. It's kind of like a a world of turmoil. And I feel like this trailer kind of gives us a glimpse at that, which I think is kind of exciting. I love that opening shot with the stormtrooper helmets, like on stakes and stuff like that. Uh, what do you, uh, Jacob, what did you think of this trailer? Uh, this trailer rules hard, Peter. Um, (laughs) I try to keep me cynical. I try to keep a distance about, you know, Everything related to big franchises, because it's in my best interest as a writer and editor to remain neutral on some level about this stuff. But uh, especially when Disney is being a corporate behemoth these days and eating everything and making me nervous. But this looks really good. It makes me really (laughs) excited. And I know I'm going to pay for Disney Plus just to watch this, Peter. So, you know, there I am. Yeah. Uh, Brad, does this get you more excited than what you saw at Star Wars Celebration? Uh, I wouldn't say more excited. I think I'm just still... Uh, riding that wave of excitement from that first bit of footage because they showed us a lot more uh, at Star Wars Celebration than what they did in this trailer, and I'm I'm definitely like Jacob says all in on this series. It just it looks so cool. I love the Western vibe um, that it has. You know, it, it feels like it's taking place in sort of this like uh, like an old West sector of the Star Wars galaxy, if you will. It's you know got that a real boy vibe to it. Um, seem, it seems uh, grittier while, while not necessarily straying far from the vibe of the original Star Wars trilogy. Uh, I, like, I like the look of it. I like the cast. Uh, yeah, that's just... Uh, um, I'm willing I'm to see what the show is like. Yeah, I'm a little bit worried about the messaging. When they were up on stage, Kathleen Kennedy and John Favreau were basically saying that, you know, this is a show that if you have never seen a Star Wars movie before, you will totally be able to understand everything, but it will still also reward longtime fans. And I'm like, who, 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 like, I, I feel like them saying that is just a step backwards because I don't think anybody I know that has, you know, is not a Star Wars fan is going to watch the show. Yet saying that to a group of Star Wars fans, like, basically gives me a little pause that it might not be the show I want it to be. Jacob, do you know what I mean? Uh, I know what you mean, but I also think your fears are unfounded. They're just trying to make sure that, you know, Disney Plus gets as many people as possible. I think it'll be fine. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's talk about Rise of Skywalker. They released a thing that they didn't want to call a trailer, but it was really a trailer. Uh, It is now online for everybody to watch. Uh, But, uh, Brad, you did a fantastic breakdown of this on the site. I'll link it in the show notes. Okay, so with this trailer, I think the thing that everybody's talking about is this last ending shot that shows Rey in a black cloak. She has a double 
bladed lightsaber, a switchblade lightsaber, kind of like I guess we've seen like the Jedi Temple Guards have uh, in the animated series. But it's it's badass. It's uh, you know it's a red blade. It, it's definitely insinuating that she might have joined the dark side. And uh, people were shocked in the room. Like it, the, the reaction to this shot was just incredible. Like hearing that 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 collective gasp of you know seven thousand people in that room. Uh, and I, this doesn't come to a surprise for me because I've you know you guys have been hearing me talk about this film for years now, and I've I think that J.J. Abrams has clearly been teasing the idea that Ray has been hearing the call of the dark side that she's, you know, like she, you know, even in that original force awakens, uh, novel, you, you hear like someone like Palpatine or Snoke in her head, like while she's fighting, uh, Kylo Ren. Uh, so, uh, Brad, what what did you think of the shot? What what do you make of this? Is this a, is this reality? Is this a dream? Is this a vision? What is it? Uh, the shot is awesome. I, I absolutely loved it when I saw it. Uh, the lightsaber is impractical, but it's, it just looks totally cool. Um, she she looks like a badass in in that shot with the cloak on. Even her face is given this sort is like this uh, glowing quality. Like it's uh, I don't even know how to describe it. It's it's like her whole entire face is coated in highlighter basically. <laughs> um, but it's uh, I I'm of the belief that this is probably some kind of uh, dark side vision, either something that the the emperor is like showing her as what she could be if she were to turn to the dark side, or even maybe something that he's uh, showing Kylo and uh, how much more powerful she can become than him. Uh, maybe something that pushes him away from uh, being loyal to the emperor or something like that. Because uh, I find it hard to believe that the first time Star Wars has a lead female Jedi character in a franchise that they're going to turn her to the dark side and make her a villain. Uh, that would seem to betray a lot of fans, even though there are fans out there who think it is very cool that Ray turns would, if she would turn to the dark side. Um, I just think that it, it wouldn't make much narrative sense to put Ray through all this and then just have her become uh, a villain and then have you know, presumably Ben Solo become the hero it just seems yeah. kind of counterintuitive to me if anything i think this is just trademark jj abrams misdirection <laughs> showing us something shocking uh just to make us speculate and wildly guess at things yeah no I, I, but i will say this i think if you were george lucas and you were planning the series from what we saw of force awakens i feel like that's where he would have went do you know what i mean i feel like there would have been the redemption of kylo ren the fall to the dark side of, of Ray that would have been very symmetrical. And obviously I don't think you can do that now. Uh, Kyle Ren, it's going to be very hard to redeem him at this point. Uh, Jacob. Oh, and by the way, of Kyle Ren, I want to point out uh, my girlfriend catcher pointed this out. I, I didn't notice it the first time I saw this trailer, but uh, th- that lightsaber, that red light, double bladed lightsaber that Ray has in that scene is very unstable, almost like Kyle Ren's saber, as like those sparks and stuff like that. Um, Jacob, uh, what did you make of this this reveal? Uh, it's a great shot, but Brad is right. There's no way they're turning Ray to the dark side. Yeah. She's going to have a Luke in the Dagobah cave-esque vision where she sees herself like this. And uh, it will be a great moment because people will screen cap it, and there'll be novels and comics exploring alternate universe Ray, but it's going to end with Ray rejecting the call of the dark side. I mean, I, I do agree with you guys, 
But I do want to say that this does gel quite nicely with my theory that I talked about on the the podcast in the past that Ray could be the descendant of someone from the dark side. So maybe I she's... think the I think the wildest theory that I saw is that somebody thinks uh, that Ray is a clone, um, and that there's a version of her that has been turned to the dark side. <laughs> Uh, that that's even beyond my level of geekdom. There, um, is was there anything else? I know you have this whole trailer breakdown on the site, Brad. But is there anything else that's notable of t- talking about from this trailer? Um, I think for me, the other coolest thing also involves Ray, and it's that shot of her throwing that lightsaber through the jungle and uh, cutting like a tree trunk right down the middle. Uh, we ha- we haven't really seen that kind of a move before. I know. Um, Vader throws his lightsaber at Luke in Return of the Jedi, but it's not really uh, a calculated force move. It's more of like just a clumsy, like him trying to get Luke down from the second level of that platform on the Death, the second Death Star, and he doesn't like use the force to call the lightsaber back into his hand in such a cool way. Um, it's actually something that is reminiscent, funnily enough, of that <laughs> that terrible PlayStation fighting game, Masters of Tarascasi, because one of the special moves of all of the Jedi characters. <laughs> was to throw your lightsaber across, like, the arena and, like, it, like, uh, takes down your opponent's power by a huge amount and then, like, you, you call it back to you. Um, but what's also notice- no- see, notable... See, see, it all comes back to Solo Star Wars story because they exactly. mentioned that in, in, that, <laughs> in that movie. What's, uh, what is notable is that it does seem that that jungle environment is the exact same one where Leia and Rey embrace in the first teaser, and there's also a, sh- a shot of Leia... Uh, in this special look that has Leia in the same environment. And so I wonder if Leia, uh, obviously being trained in the ways of the Force herself, is providing some extra guidance to Rey uh, in Luke Skywalker's stead. Uh, there's two one last shots I want to talk about here. Is There's one shot of C-3PO, and he has these red eyes. Has C-3PO gone to the dark side? I think you just got a hold of some uh, real dank weed. <laughs> um, and there's another shot of like all these star destroyers in the sky, like almost maybe hundreds of star destroyers in, in the sky. But the one thing I noticed here, uh, I'm not sure if you mentioned this in your your breakdown, Brad, but the star destroyers have like these like red to them. Like, are these the star destroyers of the first order, or could these be Sith star destroyers uh, controlled by Emperor Palpatine? Uh, I didn't notice any red at all when I did like a frame by frame go uh, shot through because I was trying to get the best shot possible of that army of star destroyers. Um, but they're they're definitely not first order star destroyers because if you look at them, they have those little uh, globes on each side of the bridge of the star destroyer. So they are definitely imperial star destroyers. Um, and my best bet actually is that this is likely some kind was some kind of reserve um, army of star destroyers that was meant to be used by the Emperor, perhaps once the second Death Star was completed, uh, to continue the the reign of the Empire and expand their reach across the galaxy, but maybe he never got to use them. Either that, or this is some dormant contingency plan that the Emperor had in place should he die that maybe hasn't yet been activated and that perhaps Kylo Ren learns about and is trying to track down so that he can build up his own forces. Oh, I think that's a that's a good theory. Okay, uh, let, let's move on. Let's talk about uh, another Disney Plus thing that I saw. There is something. Uh, there's a movie, a Disney Plus movie coming from Tom McCarthy, who is the director of uh, what Win Win Spotlight. He is Academy Award winning, right? Yeah, he also made The Cobbler. 
Yeah. Um, well, he's directing this uh, this adaptation of a children's book called Timothy Failure. Uh, and, Timmy Failure, or, exactly. Oh, Timmy Failure. Yeah. Um, and that premiere, or like they showed the trailer for that during the Disney Plus presentation. I know we didn't write about this on the site because it's not online. But I, I want to say how, number one, I'm surprised that uh, Tom McCarthy is doing a Disney Plus movie. Uh, number two, this trailer trailer looks so quirky, so charming. It's about a kid, uh, like eleven year old boy, who it, he believes he's the best detective in town, and he happens to have uh, his partner is a twelve hundred pound imaginary polar bear who is fully realized in CG. And it's 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 the craziest thing. I feel like watching this trailer, I, I want to put it on everybody's radar. I know this is a Disney Plus movie, and I feel like people have already, like, been, like that's kind of the ghetto of Disney movies. Like, you know, if it can't be on the big screen, it's not going to be big. But, like, this is Tom McCarthy. This looks like it has the potential to be, like, a Paddington type of, like, hit. I mean, you know, like, just a critically acclaimed thing. It looked... Uh, like it's very lovely, very charming, uh, very funny, uh, very surprising. So, uh, put that on your radar, Timmy Failure. Um, okay, let's move on to Disney Animation. Uh, they showed uh, some, uh, some new stuff from Frozen Two. Uh, you can read on the site about all that. Uh, it, nothing very surprising. Uh, I will say at the last or maybe two D twenty threes ago, uh, when they pulled the curtain and revealed Frozen 1 for the first time. Uh, they had uh, Adina Mandisel, uh sh- she came up on stage and sang Let It Go for the first time. The first time any public audience had heard that song was on stage at D23. At this D23, they had the cast of Frozen 2 sing a song. And I gotta say, it was not as... Um, I feel like at the at the Let It Go D23, I, everybody in the room had chills. At this one, it, it seemed like a fine song. It seemed like a, a cute, uh, but not, not as catchy as Let It Go. So uh, take that for whatever it's worth. Another project that was announced at the convention was this project called Raya and the Last Dragon. This is an animated movie that takes place in an alternate world where uh, it's a reimagined Earth with distinct lands, and together they form the land of the dragon. But the actual dragons have been long gone, and the, the world has been invaded by a dark force, and Raya is on a quest to find the last dragon. Uh, this takes place deep within... Uh, like eastern mythology uh it uh looks very very promising uh the people involved in this are are all uh great people like paul briggs who uh was writer on frozen uh dean wellens uh, who's on utopia and uh this is going to uh they're attached to make their directorial debut with this one uh we have some information in some some concept art uh, from that on the site. The dragons do not look like dragons from like Game of Thrones or anything like that. They look very Eastern in, in style. Uh, the animation looked very uh, almost live action. You know how um, what was that Pixar animated movie with the umbrella and everything in the like the back? Like it looked like I, I guess even the good dinosaur, which we all probably have forgotten at this point, like the 
world looked very live action-y. Uh, this looked very photoreal. So uh, I'm, I'm excited to see more from this. So put that under radar. Raya and the Last Dragon and Pixar unveiled their two upcoming films, both of which are original films, uh, you know, after doing a couple sequels. Uh, Soul comes from Pete Docter. And this is about a, a man who, well, it, it asked the question, uh, you know, where when a baby seems to have like its own unique take on life where do they get that and before they're born they go to a place to learn how to you know to create their own soul and that's basically the concept behind this this pixar animated movie which follows a older man who want wants anything to be a jazz musician and it, it looks very charming it looks uh you know looks like it, the thing that we'd expect from pete doctor in pixar and uh, i'm i'm very excited for that uh i know i'm breezing over these things uh but but you know it, we have a lot to spot, talk about here the, the other movie they were talking about was Onward. This is the new movie coming from Dan Scanlon of Monsters University fame and has a impressive voice cast, including Chris Pratt, Tom Holland, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, and uh, Octavia Spencer. And this basically is, takes place in a fantasy world which where the magic has been lost. And basically, you know, there are orcs and all these things, but it, they're just living the mundane life that we are living here on Earth. And uh, this is uh, inspired by Scanlan. Uh, he never get to got to really know his father. And the premise of this movie, which we got to see uh, some extensive footage from, is that the 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 guy the kid in this movie, his father died before you know he got to know him, and he created the spell uh, that would bring him back for only one day, and he could spend one day with his kid. Uh, but the problem is the spell when they when they try to do the spell, the the crystal that is required for the spell the spell breaks, and the father is only half created so it's only his bottom half of his body and they need to go on a quest a fantasy like quest to get the get the ingredients that that are required so that they can bring their dad back just for just for one day just to uh to have that moment with their father i feel like i feel like we're all gonna cry we're gonna cry okay and uh we're gonna talk tomorrow about the theme park announcements so look forward to that uh you can find more of all of our work at slashfilm.com you can find this podcast slash film daily published every weekday on itunes google overcast spotify all the popular podcast apps please feel free to send us your feedback questions comments concerns to us at peter at slashfilm.com and please rate and read this podcast on itunes tell your friends spread the word we'll see you tomorrow